Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. you got to ask, why are people taking cocaine? I do not believe that people, a large tranche of people taking cocaine are doing so purely for hedonistic reasons. I think people are self-medicating a whole host of things, be it the little bit of burnout I was talking about, emotional pain, lack of efficacy of other treatments, lack of access to other treatments in this country. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. He's the consultant psychiatrist with his finger on the pulse when it comes to substance abuse, from alcohol to cocaine and even addictions into gambling. With an expertise in the use of medicine to help those trying to quit acute and dangerous habits, Professor Colin O'Gara says absolutely anyone is open to developing problematic addictions which could destroy their lives. Today, the head of addiction services at St. John of God's talks about how modern life, our traumatic past and our historic relationship with alcohol have all fed into an addicted Ireland. And he warns how, with the use of cocaine now normalised in every town across the country, a looming threat of a crack cocaine epidemic is never very far. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So tell me, because we talk about it in particular, I suppose, on the podcast a lot, but um, what does cocaine addiction look like in, a, in, a, in an individual? Well, Nicola, it looks, I guess it looks very different. Uh, it's, it's we, we put labels in psychiatry on different things. So cocaine addiction is probably an umbrella term for many different presentations. Um, if you look at a young person, it can be recreational. And that I use that term uh, with caution, because obviously we see uh, that most drug use that are in is not recreational. It turns into medical difficulties. But let's take a young person, for instance, that may be weekend use. Um, it could be uh, somebody functioning. Uh, but 
It also uh, could mean that people start using during the week, people start using 24-7 and then it becomes completely dysfunctional. So it goes from recreational hedonistic into um, completely dysfunctional. That's a young person. As you get older, um, we're starting to see uh, people taking um, cocaine for the first time. They don't have a history of taking drug use in adolescence or college where you get spikes mm. if they go to college or when they start working, early 20s. Um, and, uh, you know, people might have had a history of smoking hash or taking ecstasy pills or taking amphetamine or might have taken acid at some stage. And they uh, their first use of any drug is snorting cocaine at the age of 50 or 60. What? Correct. Yeah. And um, so you've got to ask why. What's that about? Exactly. You know? so, <laughs> now so that could be called um, a midlife crisis with some, or it could also be part of the fact that we talk about these county lines and about how drugs have been pushed out into every corner of society and every rural part of society. And it's available. Precisely. And so the availability piece, I think, is critical. Um, people would not be using drugs in the, you know, to the extent that they are at the moment at this age group because of availability. Now, availability is key in addiction, because if you make any substance more available, you, you increase the end harm. So if you increase alcohol availability by making a lot of cheap alcohol, making it really readily available to the population, you will see increased rates of liver cirrhosis. So you can map that out at a population level. In terms of the patients that I see, why are people in their 50s and 60s presenting to me not having used cocaine before? Definitely, as you say, it's about availability. Uh, the second piece I would say on that is it's probably more nuanced and more complex. Um, we would see, you know, addiction is about pain. It's about trauma, but it's also about uh, maybe the limitations of current psychiatric treatments. So some people are taking drugs and in their mind, the drugs aren't working. So typical antidepressants or anti-anxiety agents. Now, I would say that they are highly effective. So, you know, I wouldn't be you know, suggesting that people should stop their medication or go off and take cocaine, definitely not. But in some cases, that's the reason why people, you know, if, if, if something is readily available in a bar or a situation, a club or whatever, and somebody's saying, listen, I'm, I'm really struggling with depression, really struggling with anxiety, and somebody is taking cocaine or in the early stages of taking cocaine and they think it's wonderful, they'll say, well, why don't you try this? And that's another route. And there's so many other routes, I guess, but uh, for instance, um, uh, the, 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 the um, combination of alcohol and cocaine is a huge issue. So that's a pub setting. The sex industry and cocaine is a huge issue in terms of cocaine being propagated through. So we see a lot of men who will uh, consume porn excessively will compare to 10 years ago. Now, it's a very sophisticated operation where they can meet sex workers very quickly, within a few clicks, they're in an apartment somewhere and cocaine normally is part of the package mm. there. Mm. So that's another route. So, but really, I guess it's, I'm sorry, I should have mentioned that, you know, drugs are bought over the internet now. They're not, you don't, you don't have to go on the street to buy drugs. No, indeed. And that's probably, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's WhatsApped uh, with menus and, uh, you know, uh, special offers and so so that so the landscape has changed in terms the product is marketed very well and um all on a backdrop i would say of 
the proliferation, lots of things are proliferating at the moment. The gambling industry has pro- proliferated hugely, but so so has drugs. And alongside that, I would say there's a normalization mm-hmm. of both, you know, so if we look at process addictions like gambling, internet gaming, which is video gaming, see a lot of the big YouTubers in the States, it's normal now to be, to be gaming. But at the same time, uh, I think that normalization is going on with cocaine as well. I mean, in terms of if you look at, you got to look at young people going out. I keep saying young people, but it's, it's not necessarily young people. It could be a group of people socializing. The idea of taking, of going to the toilet and coming back and going into the toilet throughout the night, I think is normalized now in terms of it's a lot more I acceptable. I hear people talking about that. They they might still very slightly sound shocked, but it's because they've been somewhere in a sort of rural or a quieter or an older sort of pub setting where they've seen people doing this. And, and sometimes they'll still say, jeepers, you know, that's strange looking. But I think that sort of, yes, disappearing to the loo, coming back, you no longer have to make explanations or people feel that it's it's uh, it's part of the night out. Yeah. And I suppose the next phase up then is 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 cocaine being taken openly, you know, and are we at that? I have, have had some reports of, you know, depending on the setting of, of just cocaine being used openly. So like, these are all, um, phases really in the normalization of taking the drug, you know, and you have to do a double take sometimes and ask, is this Ireland? Like, Mm. I mean, is, you know, like, well, as a report recently, the EU report shows we are what the fourth, uh, highest users of cocaine in Europe. We like it. We are really, big into our cocaine in this country. Obviously, there's mass production of it in Colombia, in Venezuela. The dealers have been operating for the last decade on encrypted phones and have literally been able to do their business with impunity. And we aren't saturated yet, according to police forces of Europe. It's flooding in through the ports of Antwerp and Rotterdam, and it's it's everywhere. So... You've got two things going on there. You've got this push in the supply and you have this very open armed, you know, demand. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it comes back then you need to look at the backdrop and what are we like as a nation? Are we genetically predisposed? And are we? Well, you know, I think most of the literature suggests we are. Um, You can look at population genetic studies and look at um, you know, the twin studies, family studies, but also look at culturally. I mean, it, you know, there's, there's no question that culturally we have a very, very unhealthy relationship with alcohol and have done for a very long time. And our ideas, for instance, around what constitutes a binge. I mean, a binge, you saw the latest Canadian data on what should be the, the low harm levels is two drinks a week. You know, so this is for in terms of 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 what we should be keeping it to. I mean, the the other British ones are 11 for uh, units for women and uh, 17 for men. And they're coming down all the time. Mm. You had the British uh, head of the British Medical Association saying, think of when you think of a glass of wine, think of cancer. So, you know, the all the while, you know, there's this the, the consensus really on 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 alcohol is the the less you drink the better but really when i encounter you know if i put these measures out to people it's it's you know often i'm dealing with people who will meet those 
uh, limits in a day or part of a day. So, but certainly at a, at a, at a national level, our rates of binge drinking, you know, which is the very damaging binge drinking and cause huge problems is up to 40%. And our rates of dependence are probably in around four or 5%, possibly higher. So I think that's very critical. Um, the cultural piece is very critical. The type of people we are, we like to have fun. We love the crack. That's very, very important. And then you have this very important link between alcohol and cocaine. So alcohol and cocaine combine in the body uh, to form a third pharmacologically active compound called cocaethylene. And co- this combination of alcohol and cocaine has, has been present for centuries. It was marketed in the 1800s as a, a wine called Van Mariani. And it was endorsed by the Pope of the time. And there's a picture of the Pope, which I show a lot of my talks to medical students when they don't when they don't believe me. Um, I I I I I put it up, and and they're saying, "Is that for real?" Or is he just thought it was a good combination? Well, well, the medical students think I'm making it up. You see, they think was a good idea to make it up. But I mean, they 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 yeah, at the time, this the coke and alcohol was 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 a very popular tonic. Um, so, so, so that combination is, 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 you know, was, was world famous. Tonic, you mean for what? Like for jizzing you up? For strengthening you up. And there's pictures of guys in the front with flexing their muscles. And, you know, if you feel lethargic, if you feel, you know, uh, listless, if you feel depressed, you need to, you need to take some of this stuff. And this, this really, you know, this reflects what what's happening nowadays. Life is very stressful now. People are under huge pressure, and those pressures continue. You know, one of the one of the biggest uh, you know first steps in 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 so called burnout is is poor sleep. And people will use um, stimulants in particular, you know, to cope if if people are not sleeping at night. So if you're not sleeping at night, and you've got to get up and do whatever you have to do during the day. So there's a whole host of stimulants there, psychostimulants, uh, Ritalin, which is used in the treatment of ADHD, is abused and, uh, and can be abused and snorted by, by, by um, both adults and children. Amphetamine is, 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 it has always been an, an issue and is found in various pills, including dieting pills. Methamphetamine, which is starting to make a foothold, I, I believe, in this country. And uh, you go all the way to cocaine. And then, thankfully, we haven't had a massive problem with crack cocaine. But I, I might talk about that later on. But I mean, yeah, crack that has, cocaine seems to is, have remained within the sort of the poly drug users and within that sort of um, sort of the lower classes. You're not seeing that moving into the recreational drug users as we talk about, yeah. which are essentially largely made up of middle class people out having a good time at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it could be any. It could be. It could be any class, frankly. But because if you look at the data in the UK on the use of stimulants over a weekend, I mean, who's taking ecstasy? Uh, I don't know offhand what the breakdown is. But you're talking. We certainly used to always quote it's a million people every weekend. It's probably moved on. It's probably higher. Mm-hmm. But you know that probably includes ketamine. Probably includes uh, various forms of amphetamine, and of course, the research chemicals and head shop drugs. So you know. 2012, we saw the onset of those drugs, in particular methadrone, which was a huge issue in terms of presentations with psychosis, a lot nastier drug um, on the body as well. And that's when cocaine dropped off the off the scene completely in 09, 10. Cocaine just disappeared. 
It was when incredible. those head shops were open. No, once the once the economy tanked, the right. cocaine disappeared. And it, like from all, like the, we had no presentations here for cocaine. It was incredible. And That's all so the weird. focus was on head shops and head shops pr- proliferated and and um you know were very common and you saw that there was a 11th hour, 12, you know, 11th hour uh, legislation going through the Dáil to close the loophole at the time. And prior to that, there was big queues outside the head shops of people buying stuff. But um, those drugs have remained on. They haven't gone anywhere. And in other parts of the world, organised crime, in particular uh, contacts of the Kinahan organisation, um, attacked the head shops and burnt one to the ground because it was obviously muscling in on their business. OK, I wasn't aware of that. Um, but but the you know the the I suppose the just the point on what people will use to 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 you know if they're if they're suffering from and I use burnout as a general term that that it's a very poorly defined term but it basically means people suffering from the stresses of everyday life and the mm-hmm. pressures to keep going. There's um uh you know there's there's there, there really is such an array of stimulants there. I mean, the most obvious one is coffee, but like it goes up from that. Um, coffee is in, in in the grand scheme of things from what we see is not a harmful drug, but um, anything after that, um, you know, will be used. Mm. And now with the availability of, co- of cocaine, I guess that's almost becoming the most proximal. If you're going to think of a stimulant that people might use, I guess it's probably going to be cocaine. And it all comes back to your point as you've said, on availability. Mm-hmm. So we talk about people who come to use the services who have realised are perhaps their cocaine addiction in particular. And obviously you treat people for all sorts of addictions and for, you know, for, for multiple addictions, I presume, uh, in, in particular individuals. But what happens with them usually that leads them to, find, to, to seek help? Mm-hmm. Um, is it financial problems? I mean, obviously, it'll it'll depend on the age group. But let's take the younger kind of people that are using cocaine. What brings them to the services? Well, it's it's multifaceted, really. I mean, it it can vary. But if I'm to kind of summarize, the first and foremost thing would be a loss of control over use. So cocaine is you know is is a, is a highly addictive drug. Crack cocaine is even more highly addictive as the free base form of the drug. Um, but what happens is you move from a hedonistic or recreational, and I put recreational in inverted commas again, onto um, problematic use. And so there's a there's a movement from from the hedonistic onto somewhat problematic. And I'll give you examples. So it would be I'm going out every weekend. I'm really enjoying my combination of alcohol and cocaine. Everything's wonderful. And then maybe a physical problem arises in a younger pe- person that's unlikely and an older person it's absolutely likely so a flutter in the heart which actually could be atrial fibrillation which is a very serious can be very serious carries about a one percent stroke risk with it where you get a clot in in the atria and that goes goes to the brain but the a- atrial fibrillation can lead to ventricular fibrillation and sudden death and we see people dying mm. young people dying of cardiac related illness with cocaine that's the it's a big big worry and we saw the deaths you saw the deaths in the early days with ecstasy the case of Leah Betts in the UK and you know like all drugs can lead to to death but when you look at the figures overall um, you know, one, the statistics, and this led to a, a doctor in the UK, UK called David Nutt, 
um, who you may be familiar with. He was the drug czar in the UK at the time, making comments around um, ecstasy be more uh, safe than than safer than horse riding on st- statistically. Mm. But I think uh, you know, in terms of danger um, with with these drugs, uh, certainly cocaine now because of its prevalence of use has become more of an issue. So I'll, I'll just come back to just the presentations. The problematic use after hedonistic use um, would look like maybe mental health difficulties, physical difficulties, increasing difficulty would come down. So by a Wednesday, and this is even in young people, their mood is not good. They're dysphoric, meaning they're, you know, you know, all of a sudden things don't look so rosy. Mm. And uh, there can be relationship problems emerging. So somebody is maybe on, you know, on the receiving end of those bad moods. So again, subtle, but uh, important. Now that those symptoms increase in intensity to the point where people around the individual start becoming aware. They're going, you're using too much coke. This is becoming a problem, very narky during the week. And the person themselves is suffering. But the idea of going out again at the weekend keeps them going through the week. Correct. Mm-hmm. But what happens is Friday becomes Thursday, Sunday becomes Monday, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're using during the week. And that's ultimately, you know, that's the loss of control piece. Other um that obviously has to affect finances and be a young person or even somebody with dependence, um, that will maybe quickly come to the fore. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and you know, like the que- a good question is like, how long is it before those things get kicked kick mm-hmm. in? I get asked that a fair bit. Like, and you can't you can't tell really. F- and, and this is where the inter individual variability with genetics comes in. Some people are predisposed to rapidly escalate their cocaine use, and other people are not. We can't tell who will, and we can't tell who won't. In the future, based on your genetic gene, your genotype you will carry medical gene, uh, genetic information and we probably will be able to tell, but it could be, there could be people going around the spaceships at, the, at, at that stage. Right. Uh, who knows? But I would hope that it's not that far away. There is already targeted treatments for different And would that medical- sort of show you not only how quickly your addiction could kind of increase, but could it also show you what substances you're more than likely, are you genetically predisposed to having a particular substance that will be yours you know the way people would say that's my vice yeah that was nuke there was there was it was in robocop there's a nuke for every mood i think that was that they they actually went that yeah no no absolutely you're spot on and the, the other pieces they'll be able to tell you this is where predictive genomics is very useful that card of, of data that you carry will be able to tell you what you'll be able to respond to from a therapeutic point of view as well but i'm definitely skipping ahead this is this is yeah this, this is, is a while away down the road <laughs> Um, most definitely, um, roots into, you know, the roots into addiction are complex. So again, you will have heard the work of Gabor Mate on trauma and you know, that, that, that addiction is trauma-based. It is trauma-based, but it's also, we've treated many, many individuals who've had zero trauma to our very best of our knowledge have had very, what would be considered experiences, traumatic experiences. Um, and they have awful addiction. So, you know, obviously if somebody has had recent pain, recent trauma, grieving, 
um, and they, they start taking cocaine, they may well be more predisposed to develop um, rapid escalating dependence. Um, so yeah, so that's what it looks like, I guess. In, in But for that, again, somebody who doesn't have that could also, you know, go from zero to 99 in a very short space of time. Absolutely, because they may have a, you know, my PhD was on genetics and, um, you know, we looked at various neurochemical transmitters and genetic variation in those systems. You know, all the usual ones pop up, dopamine, serotonin, noradrenaline. Um, but do we have a clear idea of what's going on? We do. We know that, that you know, our, our reward systems get hijacked in the case of addiction and you get, you know, when you administer cocaine to, you know, when you take cocaine, you get a huge release of dopamine at the dopamine transporter in the neurotransmitter space. And you get mass euphoria there. Explain um, that. What what other, what else would, would help release that? Is it just, is it a happy moment or? Yeah. So, so, so natural, natural. I mean, it's, it's any of the biological processes, food, sex, winning the lottery, uh, or it could be just, you know, just general, um, you know, watching your um, kid run a race. Yeah, that kind of thing. Or some people, for some people, it's, 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 uh, you get dopamine release in, in that slingshot thing that they have, uh, you know, and other people, it's utter terror, um, <laughs> you know, or a roller coaster or whatever, you know. So it depends on the person. And that's the inter individual variability. But, you know, in terms of the, you know, like in, in the hierarchy of drugs, I think cocaine is a very potent stimulator at the dopamine transporter. So, you know, like you, 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 we talk about opioids, something like heroin or, or, or morphine or even worse, fentanyl are very strong um, opioid agonists. Something like codeine, you know, if it's taken not in massive doses, is a lot weaker, but cocaine is up there in terms of, um, you know, the, you're not getting many more potent stimulators at that dopamine transporter, maybe methamphetamine is stronger but apart from that you're talking crack cocaine and then cocaine but it is a very potent stimulator what i'm trying to say about that i suppose is that people are taking a very strong drug now it depends on purity of course and that's a big issue for our patients in terms of you know they take one they take a bad batch of cocaine with 20 or 30 percent or even less 10 percent purity and then they all of a sudden take something with 90 percent purity cause havoc for them Right. You know, all the medical cask, you know, so the, the, the blood pressure goes off the charts. Uh, the chances of getting arrhythmias are very high. And then all the the the, the behaviours that go with a very high purity cocaine when they have been taking something. Which are what? What are the behaviours? Oh, I mean, it's it, it could be basically not stopping. So, you know, I'm going to take some cocaine. I'm going to go to work tomorrow. And three days later, if somebody's still in the house looking through a keyhole, wondering, are they, are the police out? You know, yeah. so the, the paranoid behavior becomes more and more prominent in taking cocaine. And um, that lack of ability to go asleep, to come down, to, to relax yeah. the blood, the heart is pumping. Yeah. 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 There's no break. So, you know, the, the higher the, the potency, the more likely somebody is to, is, is to continue. And, you know, the binge lasts longer and the behavior, the behavior becomes more erratic. So, I mean, typically in crack houses, that's mm -hmm. occasionally we had to, you know, do community visits when I was in London and, um, you know, would have seen a crack house here and there. And it's just, it's just utter misery. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's just, you know, full on stimulant use. And, but you see the same, I mean, there's been, I mean, there's a good one that the city the Met built, was one that Louis Thoreau did on, um, I think it was on Netflix. 
And that, you know, showed a group of methamphetamine users uh, with embedded 4K. It was a very, very good example of, so, you know, somebody, you know, the lifestyle and how physically, you know, quite hectic, meaning a lot of weight loss, teeth completely, you know, Do people, gone. though, you know, do they link that sort of thing or is there a disconnect between that and cocaine use? Because cocaine has this really cool sort of people think it's cool. Mm-hmm. It, it started cool in Miami. It's always cool in mm-hmm. the movies. It doesn't have a kind of a bad reputation cocaine. Mm-hmm. It's seen as like when you described it there as highly addictive. I think a lot of people don't understand that it's highly addictive. I think they think it's OK. It's just when, you know, somebody obviously goes a bit crazy or uses too much of it, then they have problems. But but a lot of people just see it as being essentially like a gin and tonic. Of course. Yeah. I know. No, I completely agree. And that's why sophisticated education campaigns need to be like the one, like um, talk to Frank in the UK where, you know, you can't come and come in easy and say, Hey, just say no guys, because that's not going to work. You know, the talk to Frank campaign was started off in a cubicle and it just, it started with the brain eventually being presented onto the toilet seat and being chopped up by a razor blade and it just caught your attention and you thought, well, hang on a second, you know, so, so people would look at that and then start questioning themselves saying, you know, what, what's this about? But I agree. I mean, I think, you know, the, we have to be, uh, pragmatic about the fact that we do have large volumes of people taking drugs in a hedonistic fashion. Uh, hedonistic, people might say hedonistic is a strong word. Let's just even say to their mind in an enjoyable controlled fashion and they don't see any negatives to that and i think we certainly as clinicians you know i have to be mindful of that and i think policymakers need to be mindful of it as well which is why i think there are moves now to decriminalization and also to um, health-led approaches for for drugs and that's where it's going to go in my view and do you think anybody in particular maybe your own people that you've seen here with um, addictions to cocaine. I'm sure, like many people with addictions, they are able to go back to a place where it started off and they thought it was fun. They thought they were having a party. They thought they were enjoying it before that all stopped. Do you think that they ever have any connection or see any connection with what they're buying and where the money's going? Well, it's it. Look, this this is the every time you know you. This is put out there. Um, this is almost like a variant of every time you pick a glass up of wine, think of cancer. Every time you're snorting a line of cocaine, you're thinking about the absolute destruction and, you know, the line that that's come through and, you know, that you're part of, you're propping up the criminal um, fabric there. Do I think that people think about that when they take, take cocaine? Absolutely not, mm. you know. But again, what are we going to do about it? You know, that's the question. What, are we going to try and change minds on that? Are we going to try and educate people on that? Are we, or what are we going to do? Are we going to say the horse is bolted in terms of use now? And, you know, that we'll take a different tack. We have to actually just try and divert as much people away as possible. Mm. You know, I, I mean, I think the danger with that message is it possibly even pushes people the other way. And people say, well, thanks very much, but I'll make my own mind up on that. And really after six or seven points, are people really thinking about that message when they're in a pub and there's, you know, um, as my patients say, a bag comes out 
Are they really thinking about where the cocaine has come from and all the the um, the misery that's been associated with it? I'm not sure. So it's it's complex. That piece is complex. And I think it is a very valid point and it's something that should be addressed by people and they should pay attention to it. However, I think we need to look at how how exactly are we going to deal with this issue of, you know, every, you know, pretty much hugely proliferated cocaine where it's available anybody at this stage now you know like if you go back a few decades if you wanted to get your hands on a drug it's it was a lot more difficult and certainly what would be considered class a drugs a lot more difficult now we have a class a drug which is widely available and there's so much um there's potentially you know that well there is so much problems with it but potentially a whole lot more if we don't get a cohesive so approach is your to feeling it. on it that the best way to kind of market the education on it is through health oh i've no doubt i mean i've no doubt about that because health warnings and messages oh absolutely but also i think you gotta ask why are people taking cocaine i do not believe that people a large tranche of people taking cocaine are doing so purely for hedonistic reasons i think people are self-medicating a whole host of things be it the little bit of burnout I was talking about, emotional pain, lack of efficacy of other treatments, lack of access to other treatments in this country. Confidence. It's, it's hard to get treated in this country, the country if you have a psychiatric problem. Self-esteem, confidence, as you say. I mean, and these things are incredibly prevalent mm. now and they're getting more prevalent. You know, social media hasn't helped. Everything is, we have to be perfect in all sorts of ways. And the demands, if you look at the kids, the demands on kids now compared to 10, 20 years ago, it's huge. And, um, you know, there, yes, there are a cohort of kids who don't drink and who don't use drugs um, and who are doing triathlons. But unfortunately, from my view, the alcohol problem hasn't changed one bit. There's still high, high emphasis on drinking in secondary schools, huge peer pressure. And I think drugs comes in soon after that as well, you know. So it's just the path into it. And unfortunately, yeah. we're predisposed to it, which is probably why we're so high on the uh, on the ratings. Who's ahead of us? The Spanish, is it? Or are they... Netherlands, um, Spain, Australia and the US. Okay. It's a bit random. I, 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 it is a bit know. random. I know Australia has a huge drug uh, using recreational population. Um, but they make their own drugs more than import. Very expensive cocaine out there. It's four times as expensive as here. People courier it actually in their stomachs from here sure. over because okay. it's worth it mm-hmm. if you get it there and out yeah. safely. So, yeah, but the rest of it, yeah, it is, it is random, the, the countries involved. And I think probably the only thing we can take from it is to have a look at all those reasons you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned to me at the beginning that you did want to talk about crack cocaine the prevalence of it yeah i i guess this is i mean this is like um i sometimes talk about gambling in terms of sports betting and then you have these electronic gaming machines which are basically very dangerous um electronic machines where you can lose your whole salary in a month and they've been dubbed the crack cocaine of gambling but um they have been for a reason because um you know crack cocaine is frightening in terms of uh, the effect like if you go to any urban center the staple is speedballing which is a uh, crack um which which is a free bo- based for, form of cocaine which is formed when you uh, add bicarbonate of soda to cocaine you mix it you put it in a microwave you heat it 
and you get a crackling sound, which, um, you know, give, give, gives this, um, uh, gives it the name of crack cocaine and it's usually smoked and we've had epidemics in the U S and it, it just ravages communities. And, um, but if you go to any urban center, you, you know, when, again, I go back to London, but when I worked in London, we had various pilot projects of working with um, crack addicts. And um, we had a Victorian house in Clapham at the time, which the council owned. We took it over and we went out and um, people could use in this house 24 seven, but the pattern that they fitted into was they went out to um, beg on various locations in London. And at the time, this 20 years ago, at the time they would come back with around 200 pounds sterling, possibly more 300 pounds sterling. And they would shoot crack and heroin that night, speedballing for the night. And um, we were in there, we had an opportunity to do what's called harm minimization work. So you, you engage with, with the individuals and this principle of engagement is absolutely critical. I mean, and it does, you know, apply to drug policy as well. If you keep, you know, dictating to people, people, young people are not going to listen. So it's about engagement and you have to engage on whatever level. So we engaged with, with the people by being there, by simply being there. And they said, well, what are that, that lot doing there? So they eventually found out, oh, they're doctors, there's counselors and there's drug project workers. And um, so we, we would set up clinics there. We were able to um, uh, take bloods. We were able to screen for HIV. We were able to um, give people advice on, on reducing their drug use, um, sexual transmitted infection, and basic safety advice. A lot of the the men and women were sex working there mm. as well. So it so the harm minimization piece um, was very important. So you know, crack. Um, and for the twenty years, like I'm back, what seventeen years now, and I I always feared that crack would 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 be a lot more prevalent because in in urban centres, it's not necessarily um, disadvantaged demographic. It can, you know, mm-hmm. um, crack does filter into all parts of society as well. And I'm, I just fear for, I suppose, when, you, when, when uh, a lot of, not a lot, but some of my patients who've had enough of powdered cocaine do move on to crack cocaine. Right. And they're not from a disadvantaged background. And, you know, the, the damage. Is, is that something? that they're being more secretive about that's not something that people are going to do in the pub or they're going to be sort of there's a there is maybe a shame attached to that crack cocaine is there in the same way there is with heroin Uh, hugely so Mm. and people will have to go to particular places that they maybe they're not comfortable going to interact with people they necessarily wouldn't interact with and um but again if there's a market for something it will you know crack was terribly um dubbed um you know awful phrase of the poor poor people's cocaine so um i i just you know it depends on the economics i would predict for um the next recession we won't be looking at head shop drugs we'll be looking possibly at crack cocaine because crack cocaine comes in tens and twenties, whereas, you know, powder cocaine is, let's say, a hundred euro. Um, and that mirrors what happened with the head shop drugs. were very, very cheap. Mm. And you're getting into drugs that are, you know, common in well, certainly UK prisons. I don't know about here. But a lot of the reports are from you, like something like spice, which is cannabinoid, you know. So again, leading to nasty psychosis. 
Um, it seems like the, the, the worse the drug in terms of its potential and the cheaper the drug, the more likely it is to trigger mental health effects in individuals. We talk about this gateway, which is, you know, when people take one drug, I think ecstasy has always largely been blamed on, you know, opening up harder drugs to a generation who maybe wouldn't have have gone to heroin uh, <laughs> from the 80s. But um, the levels of cocaine use how regular it is. We're talking about it being available everywhere and all over the country. That's the danger you're seeing with the possibility of vast numbers of people of current cocaine users who may turn to crack. Absolutely. That's the, it's the prevalence piece, but also look around, look at what's happening in other cities, look at the progression. Now people might argue that with me and say, well, no, there's, 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 there's defined demographic around powdered cocaine. But there isn't. Why are my so? Why are some of my patients taking crack cocaine? Mm. Why would some patient with a demographic, you know, with with a very privileged demographic, go be seeking out crack cocaine? Because that's the progression of addiction. Why does somebody who look at looks at porn start at a particular type of porn and becomes desensitized and start looking at, you know, all other types of porn? This is exactly what happens in addiction and. I, I do. I just fear on, on, on the crack cocaine front. And Ireland, the other piece is that Ireland has a very long history of heroin addiction. And, and, and you do get the morphing of the two sides of that in, in speedballing. And ultimately it is, you know, cocaine is, the user reports from cocaine, but particularly crack cocaine, it's an edgy experience where there's a lot of anxiety um, very heightened aware, you know, senses, and that can get uncomfortable for people. And the perfect elixir for that is a combined use of heroin. I, I'm just, you know, I'm just being very mindful here that this could be triggering. Um, but I am outlining this for the purpose of explaining to to people my fears around mm-hmm. speedballing in particular. And again, there's lots of deaths around speedballing, famous deaths. River Phoenix, and um, I usually ask the medical students this as well. They they all shoot them back at me, um, which I've just forgotten now, but there are lots of deaths, yeah, Mm -hmm. from speedballing. Very dangerous. So injecting of drugs, of course, is very dangerous. Um, And uh, I just wouldn't like to see that progression. Yeah, and I see those two key things you're talking about there, progression, addictions, and use of drugs isn't stopping here in 2023. It's going to keep moving and changing and evolving and uh, you know heroin obviously that word that hasn't gone away so Colin Agar thank you very much you're more than welcome Nicola thank you you've been listening to Crime World a podcast from sundayworld.com produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me Nicola Talent. research assistant is Claude Amini If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.